that your spirit would move and that your word would have its intended effect. Father, we pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Our ushers are going to come and wait upon us as you're seated. If you want to take out your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 2, those verses I just read uh, from uh, verses 13 and 14 are printed there in your bulletin as well. We sang the song, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. What What a wonderful thought that Jesus paid it all. If you Go and you look at the statistics. I found an article from uh, USA Today from back in February that said that uh, Americans, uh, the percentage of Americans that hold debt, aside from just a mortgage or a car note, 80.9% of baby boomers, 79.9% of Gen Xers, and 81.5% of millennials hold some form of debt, aside from just a mortgage and a car payment, and the average amount ranges anywhere from around $5,000 to over $8,000 in credit card debt that some 80 to 90% of Americans have. Debt is such a common thing, we all know about it. I, I, I found the joke that said a man once boasted to his friend, we have a whole room of furniture that came from from France. It goes all the way back to Louis on uh, Louis the 14th. And his friend said, well, that's nothing. I got a whole house full of furniture from errands, and it goes back on the first. (laughs) I don't know if y'all have ever seen the, the, the rental truck pull up in front of somebody's house. We had a neighbor that about every two months, a different rental truck would show up in front of their house and take away all the furniture they weren't paying on. And a few days later, another truck would pull up from another company and drop some off. But surely you've been at a place in your life where you realized that there was something in front of you that you had to pay for that you just couldn't afford. That there was a challenge that you faced that as prepared as you thought you were and as hard as you have worked and want to work and want to do, you just couldn't handle whatever it was in front of you. And so you have incurred a debt of some kind And maybe there's come a day when you went to the mailbox and you pulled out that slip of paper or nowadays opened up the email from the power company and you said, how in the world am I ever going to pay this? Or maybe that's just me. But apparently a lot of Americans hold on to debt that they can't just pay off whenever they want to. And debt becomes something that hangs over us. And it's something we become almost ashamed of when we think about it. But what about when we sing that song, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Do we owe something to God for our sin? Is there a debt that we have that American Express can't forgive? Is there a debt that we owe to God for the way that we've lived our lives. As we begin to study God's Word and understand God's Word, we realize, yes, Paul started out Colossians 2, 13 and 14. You'll see there in your, book, your notes. When you were 
dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He made you alive. What can a dead person do for themselves? Nothing. A dead person can't do anything. And so the beginning of our story today is that when we were dead in our sin, Jesus made us alive. Our story begins with a debt that you and I can't pay on our own. Greg mentioned the bulls and the goats and the lambs. And if you were really poor, the the doves. There were all sorts of different sacrifices that had to be paid. When you had sin in your life back in the Old Testament, you had to go to the temple and there were things, prescribed things that you had to pay. And I'm sure there had to be people who said, I can't afford a bull right now. I can't afford a goat. I can barely afford a dove. How in the world am I going to deal with my sin if I can't go to the temple and pay this price? And that's where you and I begin, is that we were dead in our transgressions. There's a debt that someone else didn't pass down to us. It's not a debt that our parents placed upon us. It isn't a debt that someone falsely charged to our account. I don't know if you've ever had the unfortunate uh, circumstance of somebody charging something in your name that you didn't really buy. I have. It's not very much fun. But this debt isn't somebody else's fault. It's not my parents' fault. It's my fault. I'm the one who caused it, and I'm the one who can't pay it. The debt begins being something that I can't deal with on my own. And Paul says, you are dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. In the Jewish faith, you had to be circumcised, uh, the males did, before you could join them in their faith. If you were an outsider who wanted to join the faith, your entrance into the faith was your circumcision. Paul said we were uncircumcised, which meant we didn't have access to the religious uh, 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 part of the Jewish faith. We couldn't be a part of the only place we could find forgiveness. He said you had a debt you couldn't pay. You were an outsider. You couldn't get in. There was nothing that you could do about your condition. Your debt was yours. The body of faith in Jesus Christ is the means through which the debt of sin can be handled. Being uncircumcised, we had not entered in. But through Christ, we enter into that body of faith. It says that he made you alive together with him. Jesus made us alive together with him. Paul said earlier in Colossians chapter 2, he said, Make sure that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world. What he was saying is there's no way of thinking, there's no rite or ritual that you can do in this world that will make a difference like what Jesus Christ can make. Make sure that nobody tries to convince you that there's another way, that there's something different, that there's something better than Jesus Christ. He is the only way that we can be made alive together. 
There are plenty of things that this world offers us to make us feel alive, that try to make us feel better about ourselves, that help us try to deal with that weight of debt that we feel between us and God. There's a lot of people that will try to tell you a way, but I tell you today that there is only one way, and that is Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can do, no rights, no practices, no alliances that can truly make us alive in spite of our sin. Jesus Christ is the only source of life. He said in John 10.10 that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life. He is a life-giving Savior. He makes us alive in Him when we can't do it ourselves. It goes on in verse 14. It says, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us. In your notes, the first point there is that Jesus paid the debt of my sin. How did he do that? It said he canceled out the decrees. How many of you have ever handwritten somebody an IOU? I don't, I don't know if my generation, that we really don't have a concept of that. But, you know, maybe, maybe somebody did something nice for you and you couldn't really do anything. So you wrote them a piece of paper that said, look, I owe you for that. I'll do something in return. Okay? When it says here, having canceled out your debt or the decrees against us, it's talking about basically somebody would take, and instead of I wrote down, Jonathan owes me, Jonathan would write down on the piece of paper, I owe Richard this much. It's in his own handwriting so that later on when I come back and say, Jonathan, you have a debt that you owe me. And Jonathan says, nah, man, nah, you, nah, you, you're tripping. Nah, that's not me. That's how Jonathan talks, right? I pull out that piece of paper and I say, Jonathan, whose handwriting is this on this piece of paper? And he looks at me and he goes, mine, you're right. I owe you. I see it right there in my own handwriting. When we stand before God, guilty of our sin, bearing our own shame for the way that we've lived, God pulls out the register and he says, you have a debt and it's written here in your own hand. But I love you. And because I love you, through the sacrifice on my son, through his being nailed to the cross, I have canceled out your debt. And God takes his pen and he dips it in the ink and he goes to that register and he blots out our debt. And he says, your debt is paid and it will never come back. What a thing to know. That Christ pays the debt of our sin. When we can't, he will. When we don't know how, he's already covered the price of our sin by being nailed to the cross. And our debt is nailed to the cross with him, never to return before God. He has taken that which is dead and he has made it alive. He has canceled out the debt forever. He is the only source of forgiveness, and he is a sufficient source. Paul writes in Romans, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
being justified as a gift, though, by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom he displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. Now that word, we don't use it very often, but the word propitiation there means a worthy sacrifice. The prescribed sacrifice that Greg talked about. There was a, a, something specific that had to be paid for sin, and Jesus was that. He was enough. His sacrifice, his death for us was enough. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the free gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus paid our debt. And when we sing that song as we did this morning, that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, we ought to consider every day of our lives what it cost him and how much he covered. It should have an effect on us. We sing that song to remind us what Christ did. And so we think about it this morning. If you feel the weight of that debt, if that debt's never been taken care of in your life, Jesus Christ is the place that you can turn. He is the one that you can trust to cover the debt of your sin and to erase it before God. That's the beginning. That's the entry into the body. Earlier I said that because of the uncircumcision of the flesh, you couldn't come in. In Christ, we're made alive. We're given entrance into the body. We're forgiven. So it's great that we know that Jesus has paid our debt. And I hope that, that all of us can say that. If you haven't, today is the day to deal with it. But if you can say that Jesus paid my debt all to him I owe, then the second part, the second point in your bulletin, is I live differently because of my forgiveness. Jesus paid my debt all to him I owe. Well, what are you doing in response to what he's done for you. How many of you have seen Extreme Home Makeover? Uh, it was an ABC show. It showed for many years. We used to watch that show, and we loved to see when they would come in, and these families would be <clears throat> struggling with debt that they couldn't manage. They had all these kids. They were always involved in the community. There was always a story behind why they were as broken as they were, and the show would come in, and and sometimes they would renovate a house. Sometimes they would just bulldoze the whole thing and build a whole new huge house for them, give them a car, pay off all their debt. There was one family that went through all of this. They got a brand new house. They got brand new cars. All their debt was paid. And a few years later, they found themselves back in debt. And the brand new free house that they had been given was being foreclosed upon. Because they went out and they took second mortgages out on it so that they could go start businesses that didn't, never took off. And they took on all this extra debt and they put the house up for collateral. And so this beautiful, wonderful gift that every one of us would have been jealous of them for having received, they lost. Because when they were given the chance to be free of their debt, they went right back to the same way that they had lived before. And now the gift that they had received was absolutely gone. That's pretty sad, isn't it? All these people gave freely to help them get out of debt, and they went right back to the way that they used to live. What about us? When Christ pays our debt, 
How do we respond? Do we live differently because of what he's done in our lives? Or do we just say, well, Jesus, you, you took care of me before God. You've given me a ticket to heaven. I'm just going to enjoy this life. No. If we study the scriptures, we find that that cannot be. Romans 5.1, Paul says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a wonderful promise. Through whom we have also obtained our introduction into faith by grace in which we stand. Now listen to this. He says, we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, we exult in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Paul says, because I have peace with God, when difficult things come, when hard times come, when difficult choices have to be made, I do what's right, even when it's hard, and I rejoice in those things because I know that when those things come along, it helps build perseverance, and perseverance builds character, and our character builds hope, and our hope in God never disappoints us. Paul says, I live differently because of what Christ has done in my life. Paul was very committed to his faith, but he was wrong about it because he believed Jesus was not the Messiah. He was not the Son of God. But once he got to know Jesus Christ, he changed dramatically. He became a different person. That can be said of each of the people of faith in the New Testament that after they met Jesus Christ, they were changed. They lived in a way that they had never been willing or able to live before they came to know Christ. And Paul says, in all these things, the greatest things it gives me is hope. Because hope in God doesn't disappoint. I live differently. Jesus Go all the way back to the words of Jesus in John 14, 15. He said, if you love me, you ought to know my commands. Is that what he said? If you know that scripture, it doesn't say that. It says, if you love me, you should keep my commands. Once you've been forgiven by Christ, once you know the love of Christ, you should respond to his love with obedience. Now there's a lot of religions out there that tell you if you're obedient enough, then you'll get that that God over there to love you. Christianity begins differently because of the great love of God for you. He reaches out into your life. He brings you salvation and then in response to his love, you become obedient. To the things that he commands. Jesus didn't expect us to be able to keep his commands perfectly before we knew him and his love. He expected righteousness. We didn't live up to it. You know, before I met my wife, she didn't expect me to live in love for her the way that I do today. I didn't love her this much the day that I met her. But from that day... I was just having a conversation with somebody about it this morning. May 6, 2005 was the day we, we were introduced through eHarmony. I began to grow in my love for her. And the way that I treat her has changed 
because of my love for her. I live differently because of the love that I have for her. As we experience the love of God in our lives, we begin to live differently. If you examine yourself and you see that your life hasn't changed all that much since you came to know Christ, then something's wrong. Your obedience should be focused on his words. But you don't have to do that alone. He says, the Holy Spirit, the helper that I'll send you in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Jesus said, I expect your obedience if you love me, but I don't expect you to go out there and do it on your own. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to help you, to remind you of what I've taught you, to be the one there working in you and working through you to help you uh, live up to what I've called you to. Do you live differently? The new self in Christ should always be different. How would you feel if this family that had already been forgiven of their debt came to you again and said, we need more money because we're, we're broke again. We're going to lose it all again, even though you've already given. How would you feel? I don't believe that God is one who stops forgiving us after the first time, but I believe that God is one who calls us not to go back into those ways of life that bring us indebtedness to him again. He expects us to begin through his power and holiness within us to live differently. Is your life different because of your faith in Christ? Thirdly, in your bulletins, the third blank looks a lot like the second blank. The third blank is, I treat others differently because of my forgiveness. I was going over this this morning and I thought, you know what, I should have changed that. I should have said, I love others differently. But I've already given it to Derek to put on the screen. So. But I treat others differently. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Jesus paid my debts. He took my guilt. He took my shame upon him. He brought me forgiveness. He brought me honor. Now, I, I live in response to that. I obey him. So God and I, we're, we're on the same page. We're okay. But God wants us to go beyond just it being a personal relationship. And he wants to make it public. He wants our relationship with him to flow over into our relationship with everyone else in our lives. This morning, we're taking communion together. We don't do communion in private. We don't go stand in a little room and you just walk up to a little window and I anonymously hand it to you where nobody can see it. We do it in front of each other to declare to each other all around us that we are a part of the body of Christ and we should be living differently not just between us and God, but with each other around us. For years, I've gone back home to my hometown, and I've driven past 6308 Oakland Park Street, which was my, my first childhood home that I really remember. And it was in the city, and up and down the street, houses begin to be sold to lower and lower uh, 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 
class families and they began to get run down and they became rental properties and they, it just the neighborhood went down and the crime rate went up and property values plummeted and it just got to be a really awful place to live and my parents said I've got to get my kids out of here to a different place and so they moved us away from that neighborhood and for so long I would drive through the neighborhood and I would go I remember the good times here but there's so much bad around it, I just don't even like to look at this anymore. But you know, the last time I went home, something was weird. I, I happened to pull off the main road and drive through that neighborhood again. And somebody had come to that neighborhood and bought some of those houses. And they had cut the grass. And they had painted the house and replaced the roofs. And put new shutters on. And they had started fixing that neighborhood up. And all up and down the street where all this horrible uh, living was taking place, now these were nice houses that families wanted to move into instead of try to get away from. Do you remember when your life was something you wanted to get away from? Do you remember when your life was something that you didn't want to live and so you came to Christ and you said, something's got to give, something's got to change. Lord, please help me. And he began to change your life. He helped you move out of that bad neighborhood into a good one spiritually so that you began to live again. You started going to church. You started studying God's word and you became a different person. Studying these scriptures this week, studying what, what God wants us to do in response to the forgiveness he's given us, made me think about that old neighborhood of mine, that I left it behind, but somebody else cared enough about it to go back to it and to help fix the old neighborhood. Are there people in your life that you had to leave behind? People that don't live the way you do. People that don't treat each other the way that Christ would have them do. People that are hard to love as Christians that you need to start loving again. Is there an old neighborhood that you need to help redeem? Peter came to Christ in Matthew 18 and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all he had, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before the master, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him of the debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him and said, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I'll repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw himself in prison until he should uh, pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then he summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave all your debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave 
in the same way that I had mercy on you. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed. My heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Jesus said, you've been forgiven. I've done a great thing for you. Don't forget that. Remember that when you deal with the other people in your life that aren't living the way they should. Forgive other people. Love other people even when they don't love you back because of what I've done for you. Don't be selfish with the grace that you've been forgiven. Paul writes in Ephesians, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Love others differently because of what Christ has done for you. In Matthew 6, Jesus is giving us what we call the Lord's Prayer. Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Listen to this. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive the transgression of others, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. He said, every day when you pray, give us our daily bread. Don't we love to ask for our daily bread? Father, take care of me today. But then he said, and pray this, forgive us our debts. We love that part of the prayer. But then he says, as we forgive others. Every day. As we come before the Lord, we should pray, Lord, help me to love other people the way that you do. You loved me, you forgive me, you provide for me, you care about me. Now help me to see other people with those same eyes. Love others differently, treat others differently because of what Christ has done for you. Colossians chapter 3, Paul goes on to say, As those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive others. Never forget what Christ has done and live in that. This morning we have the opportunity to take communion together. Jonathan, would you come up and help me serve? As we take communion, I wanted to show you something. In the scriptures, when it says that Jesus took the bread and broke it, just stand down there. this is a matzah. I don't know if any of you have ever had a matzah before. When Jesus paid our debt, he was sinless. This matzah, it, it isn't risen at all. It has no yeast in it. Yeast represented sin in the Old Testament. It had no yeast in it. And in order to make sure that it didn't rise, not only did they not put yeast in it, but you can see it's been pierced all up and down to make sure there were no places for air bubbles to form. Then they, in order to keep it from rising, they would cook it very quickly on a griddle, and so it would make these stripes on it. And they would beat it out flat, just to make sure, when Jesus 
stood before the disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. It was that bread with no yeast that had been beaten, that had been pierced and had been striped. He said, this is my body broken for you. This is what he did to pay your debt. As you take communion this morning, think on that, that Christ paid your debt. How now will you live? Heavenly Father, we thank you for paying our debt. As we take communion together this morning, we pray that as we take your body, we would understand that the bread, that it is your body broken for us. And as we take the cup, Father, we think that this is your blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for bringing us into the family of God, for paying our debt. Father, may we respond to it appropriately today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.